This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It's uh, been an interesting stretch here for the Houston Rockets. They have lost six of their last nine games, which is a bit surprising considering how successful they have been this year. Uh, They're dealing with a few injury struggles and a few just struggles out there on the court. Uh, my guest today is David Weiner. You know him as Bema Thug, both on the Clutch Fans forums uh, and on Twitter. A lawyer here in Houston who knows his stuff, pretty much uh, knows the ins and outs of the cap, the salary cap, and, and the Houston Rockets cap situation. Um, and we love to talk about trades. And Dave, the, um, first of all, thanks for being here. And we have the trade deadline not that far away, so we got a lot to talk about today. Pleasure to be back, Dave. You know, I want to talk first because it's going to lead into the trade deadline um, is basically what this team's going through right now. Uh, as I mentioned, they've lost six of their last nine, uh, lost two in a row here now, I believe, for the second time this year. Um, it's a little bit frustrating to watch this. Now, granted, they've been dealing with some injuries. Eric Gordon uh, has been in and out of the lineup, has been dealing with a toe injury, has not been playing particularly well, as well as he did uh, for most of the uh, you know, November, December, and, and Ryan Anderson was out with the flu, affected for, I believe, about four games. That's been tough for the team, but there's some other problems that they're facing right now. What have you seen that's been different for the Rockets in the last nine games? Um, well, definitely they've been depleted by injuries, I think, especially Gordon's absence, um, both for the toe and the back tightness, uh, really kills their rotations. Uh, but even even at full strength, they haven't been really playing up to snuff lately because uh, mostly be- defensively, I think. Um, you know, you, you're, there's going to be games when they're not going to hit all their threes, and, and most of the time when they lose, it's just going to be you look at their, their three-pointers made and attempted, and if they shot a very low percentage, they're, you know, a good chance they, they, they you know, aren't going to be too successful. But in this last, you know, nine-game stretch or so, the defense is really uh, kind of – slacked off a bit. Uh, I don't know if it's purely an effort thing. They seem to be lacking a lot of rim protection. And you think getting Capella back that uh, that would help alleviate things. But I think he's still been a step slow just uh, finding his way, doing, making his defensive rotations. And then just with Nene and Harold, they're, they're just not rim protectors. So uh, rim protection has been a big thing. And then, you know, uh, his plus minus has been – up and down a little bit, but Brewers just really starting to starting to fall off, and uh, I don't know how much longer they can go give uh, giving him a lot of minutes, which they're going to have to do right now if uh, Gordon's not playing all the time. Yeah, I think you highlighted two things that are going to uh, certainly be on Houston's radar heading to the trade deadline. That being rim protection, um, and I think Corey Brewer as well. I think we've talked about Corey Brewer just not being the right fit. I think he has had the occasional game where he looks pretty good 
running out in transition, making some things happen um, defensively. But I think offensively, it's just such a problem. I, I, there's no more sinking feeling for me than to watch the Rockets' offense work flawlessly to create that open shot for that, say, that three-pointer in the corner, and the guy who catches it is Corey Brewer, and you know you've got about a one-in-four chance of this going in. Uh, that's, I think, something they've got to alleviate or fix. Um, you mentioned three-point shooting. That's what's been the big shock. Now, granted, with Anderson and Gordon in and out of the lineup, um, that's going to affect that. But they're shooting about 32.9% in these last nine games, a huge drop-off from the 39 or so percent that they did you know, in December when they were really cruising. Um, that percentage, under 33%, would put them basically at the bottom of the league during that stretch. Uh, and it's been that way for most of January, where they're about 33%. So it, I think that's what's been frustrating, because this team depends on the three-point shot as much as they do uh, you know, depend on James Harden. Those are their two real weapons in the system, the things that they count on offensively every night. So that's been a problem, Like again, when they're at that high of a volume shooting team. But the, the interesting part about it is the real culprit here is Harden. Harden, uh, in this stretch, is shooting about 30% from three, um, more or less, I believe, putting up about nine shots per night from, from deep uh, and not super effective. Gordon, as well, uh, about 30% in that stretch. Sam Decker, I think, has been really struggling for the last month or so. I think he had a nice start that kind of gave us that impression that, hey, he's improved as a shooter. But I think uh, Decker's three-point shot's not quite there outside of that 6-for-11 game uh, that he had in, at Memphis, which was fantastic. Um, and his free free throw shooting, I think, shows as well that he's struggling a bit as a shooter. Uh, Ariza, Beverly's been better, but um, uh, th- those guys are really struggling. I think that's where the biggest problem is. And it makes me a little bit concerned because I think teams are starting to catch up to him. They're starting to put big guys out there on the wing. Uh, I think, you know, you, you saw this in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns pretty much hounding uh, Ryan Anderson out on the perimeter. It wasn't until the end of the first game in Minnesota that the Rockets caught fire, and then it, it did catch up to them as well in, in the second game there. Um, Milwaukee, another good example of guys just, you know, big athletic guys who could switch and stay out there on the perimeter against the Rockets. So not some of this is not just open shots not falling. Some of this is, uh, I think, a team's adjusting to what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's no secret that the Rockets like to launch threes, and I think uh, opponents are game planning, trying to run uh, run the Rockets off the three point line, and especially since this is not a team that outside of Harden and you know sometimes Gordon that that, that takes a lot of um, long twos, um, you know maybe that there's some adjustments that need to be made uh, on the Rockets side to. You know, maybe step in and, and shoot the 18 footer, even if it's not uh, quite as good a shot. Uh, but I, you know, it, the, the Rockets have, while they had the benefit of everyone seemingly being being on fire at the same time uh, in the first you know stretch of the season, uh, now you have just multiple guys slumping at the same time. You mentioned uh, Harden and Gordon and Decker. Um, you know, I don't think Gordon's shooting was sustainable, but. Um, you know, I think he's certainly better than he's been showing lately. Yeah. And I think Harden's a little bit better, but I don't think Harden historically has been quite the, the level percentage shooter that uh, Gordon and Anderson have been. Uh, I, I think you'll probably see 
Gordon get that percentage back up a little bit, just not to where it was earlier in the year. And, you know, uh, with Anderson, that, that, that's, it's tough to say. I think, like you said, if, if, if teams are going to hound him and just uh, stick to him like glue, you, you kind of have to live with that because that's just giving Harden more room to work. You know, a lot of people make um, a lot of noise about the turnovers from Harden. They have been, uh, I think, pretty bad in, in a few of these games. I thought he had a poor game in Boston despite the 30 points. I, I think there was one particular play in, in Boston where I think Al Horford was switched out on Harden up top, and I thought, you know, Harden's got to go to the basket here. He's got to go around and make something happen. It was a clear isolation uh, play and he just with with Horford right on him just pulled up from three and missed it um, and I thought you know some of his decision making in this game some of the other games hasn't been as good as it's been in other uh, in other games again if guys are knocking down threes if Eric Gordon plays perhaps uh, it's a little bit different um, and, and we you overlook some of these turnovers but he's averaging 6.6 almost seven uh, turnovers per game in the last nine um, do you think this is something you just live with and you kind of hope things, you know, start to get better on the other areas or do you have to add a guy who can help you with, with ball handling moving forward? Um, uh, I, I would like to see, uh, a little more Gordon and Beverly, uh, handling the ball. P- part of this is the fact that there, there's no, uh, there's really no fourth guard. Your fourth guard is Corey Brewer. Um, I, I'd love to see the Rockets go out and get, just one other guy who can handle the ball and just as a secondary ball handler, I I can live with Harden being the primary ball handler the vast majority of the time. Um, It's just, it's got to wear on him, especially in Boston, you had no Gordon. So that, that was especially rough. He may have just gotten too tired. Um, But, you know, I kind of like what I've seen from Beverly this year in the brief stretches where he's been the primary ball handler. I thought he's done better in that role than he has in years past. Uh, we could, you know, they could maybe shift just a little bit more of that burden to, to Beverly. Uh, I think a, a healthy Gordon with uh, with ten functioning toes uh, could probably take on a little more ball handling. And it would be nice to get just a fourth guy. Not, it won't take that much of it, but just incrementally, just a little bit more of that ball handling responsibility away from Harden uh, might cut down a little on those turnovers. But for the most part, I think. What you see is what you get, and it might just be the dog days of the 82-game NBA season that you know you're you're going to see that sloppy play, and you just hope it get tight, it gets tightened up down the stretch and in the playoffs. You're not a Tyler Ennis fan, I'm, I assume. Um, I, I did think at the time of the trade he was a worthwhile. They, they took a flyer on a former first-round pick sure. to see what they had, and. They just don't have anything there, I don't think. But again, the kid's just 22 years old. He, there, he may end up developing into an okay NBA player, but uh, most likely not for the Rockets. So right now, his name is basically salary piece, more or less. Is that the way you're looking at him? Yes, for those for those who are who can't wait to to cut him, um, I, the, I don't think there's any way he gets cut before the trade deadline because if nothing else, he's 1.7 million of salary filler. Yeah, so I, I would not be surprised at all to see him moved out. I, I agree with you. Outside of their top three guards, the drop-off is steep. We were seeing Ennis before when Beverly went out. I, I, we haven't really seen much of him. Uh, KJ McDaniels has not really seen any time, which, you know, it's kind of interesting. I feel like he's gotten a couple of shots 
maybe three shots in his career here since being in Houston and really hasn't made anything happen with those. Um, this was his best chance. I mean, I think D'Antoni really believed in him out of the gate, was talking about him being that defensive guy for him. Uh, it hasn't happened. I, I think we're probably going to see him moved out. I mean, I've predicted that before. It didn't, it hasn't happened. Um, but that's just my, my hunch, my guess, but he's just not fitting here in Houston for whatever reason. It's got to be very, very frustrating because the, the, the last chance that the real chance he got, which was, you know, in the preseason and the very beginning of the regular season, he played very well, but Corey Brewer also played very well. And I think the tie went to the veteran and uh, D'Antoni went with Brewer and there was only room for one of them in the rotation and it, you know, there's pure speculation on my part, but that may that may have been demoralizing that that McDaniel's played as well as he could have played under the circumstances and still couldn't crack the rotation. And then, you know, for those that are complaining that he 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 absolutely should have been playing so far this year, he's coming in garbage time and just really played poorly. I mean, it, it'd be one thing if he came in and just kind of showed flashes or just played really solid basketball for a few minutes here and there. Maybe he then overtakes Brewer, but he hasn't done anything on the court this season to to show that he definitely should be playing over Brewer. So it's unfortunate, and I think the the reason I agree with you that he is probably the the rocket the single rocket most likely to be traded next month. But that has as much to do with the fact that he doesn't make as much as Brewer than his ability or inability. You know, before we talk about the trade deadline and just kind of uh, talking about different guys who we think could be targets, I have to ask you about the new CBA. That's going to be big. And you know the Rockets. They love to take you know advantage of loopholes and, and forecast things and, and uh, you know put themselves in a great position to uh, add talent in the future. Do you see anything or anything jump out at you in the new CBA as, you know, whether the, the, the changing value of draft picks or the salary cap rise that you think the Rockets could take advantage of and how that might impact what they do at the trade deadline as far as taking on salary or shedding salary? Um, yeah, I think, um, well, it's not quite as uh, the most exciting thing, I think incrementally the Rockets could be pushed one way or another this trade deadline based on some of the the minor changes in the CBA for minimum salaries, first-round draft picks, and guys making very low salaries. Because all of the salaries are, are, are going up with the new CBA, it's kind of the rising tide lifting all boats. Um, the Some of the, the current low-salaried players like Montrez Harrell and uh, Chinanu Anuaku and Kyle Wilcher, their salaries for next season are going to go up. Uh, the cap holds for their first round pick is going to go up. Uh, and uh, the incomplete roster charges are going to go up. So if they just strip down their roster to a few people, the, those extra charges you have to add back into the cap to eat away at your cap room, those are going up as well. So the, they're, they're, the cap room they would have had under the old CBA is going to go down on you know two or three million dollars or so, um, and given where they are right now uh, with their total salaries against where the cap's expected to be about 103 million was the latest projection, um, they do not slot out as a as a team with max cap room, and even if they start dumping salaries, uh, it, it 
would be very, very difficult to keep this core in place and open up max cap room. So uh, there may be a good chance the Rockets take on salary at the trade deadline. They they might be one of those teams that's just not going to to put all their eggs in the max cap room basket and instead becomes a buyer. And, you know, depending on, you know, how many buyers and sellers you have out there, they might take advantage of market inefficiencies, um, you know, zig when other teams are zagging. But, uh, you know, where they're positioned, they could either create a decent amount of cap room to go after another, you know, Eric Gordon caliber free agent this summer, uh, or they they could even operate above the cap, you know, try to take on salary this season, uh, make trades at the, at the draft, uh, and then operate over the cap and use their mid-level exception. In the new NBA landscape, I think it is better for teams to operate where the Rockets are, which is uh, where they could shift easily in either direction, either to try to create a lot of cap room or to operate close to or over the cap. To have that flexibility to go in either direction, I think is more advantageous than just clearing cap room and hoping some big free agent signs with you. So I like where the Rockets are now, and under the new CBA, I think it somewhat increases the likelihood that they could be buyers at the trade deadline. But again, given how successful this team has been, I don't know if they're going to look to shake things up too much. I don't know if that was as non-committal enough of an answer for you, Dave. No, that's fine. <laughs> Do you think, as far as first-round picks, what they could potentially trade? Is there? Did we see any changing values in first-round picks versus second-round picks? Do you think... You know, the Rockets have their own first-round pick, which is likely going to be in the 20s, and they have a couple of good second-round picks, I believe, Portland and Denver, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, no, Portland and Denver. Okay, and do you think that, you know, one of those has more value, you know, than the other in the sense of, or I should say increased value from the CBA? Um, I, I think draft picks are still very valuable because even though all of the salaries are going up, uh, relative to other salaries, first-round rookie-scale salaries are still dirt cheap, and you're locking you're locking a player into a four-year contract with multiple team options. Um, so those first-round picks, and even the late first-round picks, are still pretty valuable just as a means to secure cheap labor on a long-term contract. Second-round picks are still good too, but you know you have. Some guys that are negotiating for larger salaries, uh, you have to use cap room if you want to sign a second-round pick to more than the league minimum. Um, and uh, and sometimes you have situations like K.J. McDaniels' his rookie year with Philadelphia where uh, they choose to bet on themselves and they only take a, a one-year minimum deal and hit free agency after just one year. Uh, so that you know, you run those risks with second round picks. So I think in the new CBA, especially late first round picks are, are, are pretty valuable compared with even high to mid second round picks. So I, I think that first round pick the Rockets own, even if it's 27 is going to be more valuable than both of those second rounders combined. Um, that said though, I, I think the Rockets would be willing to move that first rounder, especially if they think it's in the mid to late twenties instead of the, you know, the early 20s, um, if it's for the right player. And I think that right player doesn't have to be, a you know, a star or even anywhere close to a star. Okay. So let's talk trade deadline as far as, you know, going into this. Granted, it's, uh, I believe it's a little less than a month away. It's uh, February 23rd. So 
I have to start with the big one because we have to talk about guys that are just going to be on the market. You're basically at the mercy of what teams are going to change direction and rebuild and, and make changes. And you have to start with New York uh, with a guy that the Rockets a couple of years ago uh, considered the key to their championship formula, and that was Carmelo Anthony, who's reportedly not happy in New York. They've apparently worked it out, but at the same time he's being shopped, um, has been rumored with uh, to teams like the Clippers, uh, the Cavs, the Rockets, you would think would have to at least make a call. Am I wrong? Uh, I think the Rockets are always interested in high-end talent, um, and I think they'll always do their due diligence, even if it's highly unlikely that a particular move is made. And, and heck, they already have a giant fathead of Carmelo uh, that they can <laughs> right. stick up back up on the locker room wall, right? Exactly, exactly. I'm sure Jeremy Lin loves that one. Uh, if they didn't send it to him up on his wall right now, but I know, I know you were deeply offended, Dave. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's crazy to me because obviously you have to talk about Ryan Anderson in that type of a deal just for the salary numbers. Um, do you see any other way that the Rockets could add him? No, I mean I think you you, you got that right. That that it basically would be half. Anderson would almost have to be included. Um, you know, I guess you could include Gordon, but I think Gordon's higher on the the hierarchy uh, on this team right now. Um, the only other way that, that doesn't involve uh, Anderson or Gordon would be, you know, Ariza, Brewer, and then a whole bunch of other guys. Uh, I, I, it's just it wouldn't be feasible. I think really an Anderson plus something else for Carmelo would really be the. Uh, far and away the, the most likely or most feasible way the Rockets could, could get him under salary matching rules. I'm not saying the Knicks would do that, but, uh, or that the Rockets would do that. Um, but I think just from a salary matching standpoint, that's really what it would most likely be. You know, it's just strange to me. Carmelo's 32 years old, right? I, I, you know, I, I say this confidently, but at the same time, I, I, I have a hard time believing the words are coming out of my mouth is I would not do that deal. I, it's it's tough to believe. I, I keep saying it, and I think to myself that I'm not willing to trade Ryan Anderson for Carmelo Anthony, but I I'm not. Even even though the Rockets are struggling, I do think it has the potential to be something that could turn around and be you know a great move. Sam Decker certainly has filled in for Anderson. I do think Anderson is a uh, limited player. I don't want to say one dimensional. He's got uh, more than one skill, but I think he's a limited player. But I think he's a guy who's content playing this role. Who's content playing, you know, camping out at the three-point line, going for uh, for rebounds? Um, you know, can Carmelo fit that rocket ball scheme? Is he willing to be a guy who can be a star on some nights, like Ryan Anderson, uh, and on other nights give you eight to ten points? Or is he going to need to post up, um, take mid-range shots? That's the struggle I have with Carmelo. I just think the ego and um, just the superstar mentality isn't a fit for how well we saw this team playing earlier in the year. I think the Rockets can still get back to that, um, and I'm not sure Carmelo fits. Well, there's a lot to be said for team chemistry, and I think, uh, you know, say what you will about uh, Ryan Anderson's poor defense, but he, he seems to be a very positive guy in the locker room, yeah. keeps things loose. I think all his teammates absolutely love him, and I think he's been a big part of why this team has gotten along with each other so well this season. Um, but that said, Carmelo is an extraordinarily talented player. So 
Um, I, I don't think it's cut and dry that you you wouldn't do that trade. Um, I think Mello opens up new dimensions to the offense that that Anderson can't. I think Mello's a, a pretty pretty good three point shooter, not not quite at Anderson's level, um, but is dynamic enough to score in a variety of ways. I think uh, on this team he would be a, a a really nice small ball four. Um, and, you know, it's not like you'd be losing a lot of defense if you traded Ryan Anderson. Uh, but, but I think a, another factor, even just, just besides the, the pure on-court fit, um, would be what do other players around the league think of the Rockets if they trade an outside free agent they just signed a few months ago um, you know, does that hurt them in the eyes of agents and players? I'm not saying that should determine whether or not they make a move like that, but that's got to be a factor that's thought of. Yeah, I can see that, especially considering how well they played and Anderson has been, an, you know, a key part of that. And so that could look could be viewed as a slap in the face. In the past, I don't, I've kind of overlooked those things. I thought they they matter, but not that much. And you know, it's part of the business of basketball, but perhaps in this case, as well as the Rockets played, it could be it could look be looked at uh, by some agents as a slap in the face uh, and play into the sort of reputation that Daryl Morey has with some agents r- reportedly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I personally would not be going for for uh, Carmelo, but I do. You know, you're going to have to wonder about Ryan Anderson long term. I mean, I think 20 million a year for what he does. Is high. I mean, you pay it because it 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 fits into what your team is doing. I but you know you look at a guy like Ersan Ilyasova, for example, with what he's doing in Philly, he's certainly doing uh, similar things to what Ryan Anderson does. Um, I think you can you can get guys like that um, cheaper, but you know I, I don't have too many complaints about Ryan Anderson at the moment. I want to talk about Philly. This is a team the Rockets are playing uh, tonight. And this is a really tough team. Um, suddenly, you know, it's hard to believe that we're saying that, but they've won 10 of their last 13. And uh, Joel Embiid has missed a few games. Nerlens Noel has stepped in very nicely. He's been a guy that's been named out there, could could help the Rockets. He's going to get get paid this summer, but for the rest of this year is uh, pretty much a cheap contract. But I think they, they might be able to get more than the Rockets can offer, but that's a tough Tough call. I'm not sure, quite sure, you know, if the Rockets did get involved with a, you know, say a Decker or a Harrell, if they could intrigue a, a team like Philly for Nerlens Noel. What do you think on that? Um, Nerlens Noel is definitely a, a, a really great young defender. I think not only as a shot blocker, but as a guy who can get out there, switch on the pick and roll. Um, you know, d- does a lot of the things that Clint Capella does. Uh, you know, some of them better than he can. But like you said, he's a free agent this summer. That's really the determining factor for me. I don't know if I want to give up what Philly's going to demand for what's going to amount to most likely a three- or four-month rental. Um, he's going to want an insane amount of money. You talk about Ryan Anderson's contract. I think he's going to want a Ryan Anderson-level contract in free agency, and I just don't know whether he's worth it, especially when you have Clint Capella uh, already under contract for you know two million dollars next year. So I mean I think for down the stretch of the season he would be a great fit as a, as another big and you know 
someone who can provide some of that rim protection we were talking about before, but I just don't know if it's worth the cost. I don't know if I'd want to give up a Sam Decker for him. I got to talk about Denver. Um, I, personally, as, as far as Nerlens Noel, I'd love to have him. I kind of agree with what you're saying there. I I just think it's a rental situation. I don't know what you can give up that's that significant. I think somebody like Harrell, as much as I like Harrell, I'd be I'd be interested there, and I'd say you go for it this year and see what happens. Um, but uh, beyond that, I, I don't know if it's a great fit. Uh, I don't know if that really could work out as far as being able to give Philly what they need and not costing the Rockets too much. Denver's a team I think you got to talk about. The, the West is a mess. Uh, you know, we there are seven legit teams, and the, all the other eight eight teams left have a chance at that A seed. So it's really bizarre this year. Um, but all eight of those teams have significantly poor records. I think seven eight games under 500 to start. Uh, and Denver is a team that you have to look at. Yet they're currently the eighth seed. That's how crazy it is right now, Dave. So what do you look? on that roster and say these guys could fit here in Houston. Well, yeah, Denver, I think, is the team that has the the most number of guys that I think would look nice in a Rockets uniform and uh, un, it, under most circumstances might be attainable. Uh, unfortunately, like you said, because Denver's currently in that eight seed, and even if they weren't, they'd be close to it, um, I don't know if they're going to be looking to, to deal uh, – rotation pieces for future assets, especially since they're also set up nicely with uh, future picks. They already have uh, two first-round picks in the upcoming draft, so even if the Rockets were to offer them their first-round pick, uh, I don't know how how much enticement that would hold for the Nuggets. But they, you know, if we're just playing uh, you know, fantasy GM here and, and looking at, at players that would you know be nice fits for the Rockets, there, there are several. I mean, you know, you start with Wilson Chandler. Um, you know, he makes about twelve million a year for the next two to three. Uh, I guess this year and next year, and I think he has a, a player option after that. Um, but is kind of a, a souped-up Trevor Ariza. Uh, I think he'd be really nice if you can if you can uh, be playing him instead of Brewer. And obviously, he play a lot more than Brewer's playing now. Um, he, you know, between him and Ariza, I think he'd have some some really nice wings there to go with Harden and Gordon. Um, Gary Harris is a guy I've I've not been shy about saying I want. Uh, he, you know, he's a nice combo guard who can. Uh, you know, we talk about needing that fourth guard. He would be perfect as a guy who can come in, handle the ball a little bit, but that's not really his forte. Uh, come in, guard the other team's point guard, and and hit some open threes. Um, they also have, um, you know, Danilo Gallinari is another name. I know Dave, you like him, but it, you know he, he he might be a little too pricey for the for the Rockets. And even a guy like uh, Darrell Arthur, who just signed a long term deal, um, but you know he's making about eight million a year or so. Uh, as a you know a, a guy who could come in as like a backup power forward, uh, he can shoot the three a little bit. Pretty good defender, uh, you know. Might add a little bit of toughness defensively to this team. But they got a lot of guys that that, that look nice, and uh, let alone uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who uh, the, the Nuggets have definitely made available as uh, another kind of lumbering center. I mean, he's a quality big man, but you know, not really a rim protector. Yeah, uh, I would anticipate that guy might be able to rebound. 
Uh, I think that's been a problem as well this year. We saw them just get destroyed in the glass uh, against Boston. You know, Capella just had a poor game, I think, from a rebounding standpoint. Uh, size in general, you know, I think we've heard Costa Cufas with Sacramento has his name's been thrown out there. Um, we mentioned Nerlens Noel. You mentioned Nurkic. Um, that's tough to get on the market, but I think that's probably something they want to be looking for. I don't know if they can just add a fourth center without moving out uh, somebody like Harrell. I'm not saying they're going to move Harrell. I just have to wonder if they do look for a decent you know, upgrade at center or somebody who gets significant minutes if Harrell would be on the way out uh, in that type of a move. A few other guys, uh, James Johnson with Miami, P.J. Tucker with Phoenix, uh, Tabo Cephalosha with Atlanta, just a few wings that might be able to defend, might be able to shoot some threes. Any of those guys seem like great fits from a salary standpoint or being able to fit here rotation-wise. I mean, I think those three guys you just named are, are both – uh, very realistic targets um, that would not involve having to hope another team takes on Brewer's salary. I think, you know, from a salary matching standpoint, you can get any of those guys for McDaniels and a pick or McDaniels Ennis and a pick. Um, not that the other team would necessarily make the trade, but, you know, if you were willing to give up your first round pick, I think any you could have any of those guys. Um, James Johnson fits as a, a, another small ball four. Uh, he's been shooting really well this year. He's a uh, you know pretty good defender, a guy who can get you some buckets. Kind of a kind of a, a, a version of Michael Beasley that fits the system a little bit better than he would have. Um, uh, Tucker is having kind of a down year, but he's always been a strong defender. And Cephalosha defensively is having a fantastic year this season and and shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, it would be interesting if the Rockets finally get Cephalosha after the uh, uh, 2006 draft when, according to Van Gundy, <laughs> had they not done the Rudy Gay-Shane Battier trade, they, the, I believe that the guy who was on their board uh, with their pick would have been Cephalosha. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. Also, James Johnson, the Rockets took him with the first pick of the D-League draft. He played with the Vipers. Um, they wanted to be able to bring him over to the Rockets, and then I believe he was picked up. Uh, it wasn't Toronto. It was somebody else that, that got him that year. Maybe it was Memphis. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy I think that they that probably would be on their radar, like as you mentioned. Uh, it's the, So I think as far as goals, move out Brewer, possibly McDaniels, possibly Ennis, um, first-round picks as enticements, um, possibly getting into a young guy like Harrell or Decker I, as enticements. Now, I tend to think Decker is played himself into a solid role here. You'd have to get a pretty good player uh, to get Decker back. And by the way, uh, you know, I, I, we've joked around about the Bobby Portis thing. I always wanted uh, Bobby Portis over Decker. Um, he's been fantastic. But you wanted Bobby Portis? <laughs> yeah. Never heard that one before. Uh, <laughs> you know, he has been fantastic. But I got to tell you, a guy who's shooting or as good as he is to be shooting 54% from free throw line, um, that really opens my eyes a little bit, makes me a, a little bit uh, leery. Now, I think he will get better, but um, it, it, I think it made me realize that that three-point shooting um, was going to come down, and it has. Um, he started out pretty hot, close to 40% for probably um, 10, 20 games, and I think it's definitely declined since then. Um, do you see him being able to be a – great three-point shooter or even a solid free-throw shooter when he's this poor to start? 
Um, I have hope that that he'll get better or at least more consistent. I mean, you have to remember that you know with the back injury last year, this this we're just now getting to the point where he's never played this many games in his life um, in a season. You know, he's, he's gone from you know Wisconsin and the short college basketball season, and then a very abbreviated rookie year in the NBA, and and now he's you know. What is it? We're at game, you know, we're in the in the high 40s of the number of games that he's played this season. He's one of the few Rockets that hasn't that, that, that who has played in every game. Um, you know, it could just be tired legs. Um, you know, a lack of consistency that you expect from young guys. But this is really this is really his first real NBA season, and I think yeah. he just might be feeling the effects. So th- there, there's still hope. But you know, I'm not ready to pass judgment on what he's for sure going to be until I see another maybe full season out of him. Yeah, I love his game, though, in so many ways. His energy, um, I think he's really going to be more of a four here with what you know D'Antoni likes to do. Um, so I think that adding that stretchability, or at least it being a little bit better than it is right now, is going to be a key for him. But, boy, the way he runs the floor, attacks the basket – um, and goes for rebounds. I mean, just the energetic uh, player who isn't afraid to mix it up. Now, I do think there have been some issues. I've seen D'Antoni chew him out quite a bit as far as being in the wrong spot. I'm assuming on defense we did see an issue um, the other day here in Boston where he and uh, Harden got into a little bit of an argument that's been a lot made about that on the board as, as far as the video from what we could see. Um, but he's learning. He's more or less a rookie this year. Um, kudos to Daryl Morey, uh, honestly, because that pick has turned out to be very good. And, you know, he took a lot of lumps last year, including from myself, for making that pick because um, it really did not look good to come out, you know, a rookie with a back injury. It didn't seem like the Rockets were fully uh, aware of all of that and, you know, cost him his, his rookie year, but uh, has been great this year and looks to have a very bright future. Before I let you go, I got to ask you one last thing. What do you make of Terrence Jones kicking some tail over there in New Orleans? I mean, he's always shown the occasional flash. I mean, when when he's focused and locked in, he is a very good player. The biggest thing with him with the Rockets and I guess his whole career has been consistency. You know, he, he's on a tear right now. Let, let's check back in a month and see how he's doing. Now, if he can keep it up, then you know, kudos to the to the Pelicans. Or actually, really not. If he if he keeps it up, he's going to price himself out of the Pelicans' range because he signed a one year minimum deal with the Pelicans. They're not going to have any bird rights on him, and he may be playing himself out of uh, the price range. So the Pelicans are probably just going to lose him to free agency, and he's going to end up on another team next season. But. Um, <laughs> But you know, it, I always like to to root for the former Rockets wherever they go, and and I wish them all success. So it's nice that he's having success. But you know, let let's see in a month or two if he's if he's strung together, you know, forty fifty straight games of of quality play. That's David Weiner. You know him as Bema Thug. You can follow him at Bema Thug on Clutch Fans or on Twitter. Uh, David, thanks so much for doing this, man. We'll have to do it again soon. Like I said, the deadline is uh, a little less than a month away, and I guarantee we'll do another one of these talking about the trade deadline uh, before we are hit with that and, of course, discussing what does actually happen because Daryl is always active uh, at the deadline. 
Uh, again, thanks for doing this, man, and we'll do it again soon. My pleasure as always. Yeah.